Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Lisa, and that was my gurgly stomach, if you heard that. Um, I am on a new uh, regime. I'm trying to eat better and get healthier. And uh, so I, I'm feeling I've missed my snack time. That's why my Aww. stomach is growling. I'm doing a thing where I eat five meals a day. Wow. In order to lose some weight. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Seems weird to no. me. But anyway, yeah, so I think it's snack time. Um, so I'm going to go and get my little smoothie drink here in a second. Um, welcome to Two Sober Chicks. Nice to have you back. Nice to be back. Nice Thanks to have for you. hanging in there. All of our binge listening yes. listeners yes. will binge up on our four or five episodes and then email us and say, what the hell? Where are you guys? <laughs> yeah. So here we are. We're which, back. Which is why I started um, the shot glass of recovery. Yep. But then uh, that even fell off the wayside. I wasn't doing that. I wanted to do that once a week. And I, I think I've done three of them or four of them. But I like uh, them. They were cute. And I think they're you're, cute. You're going to, once we figure out how to teach you how to record. Yes. You can do them too. I will absolutely That's do them. That's the beauty of it. You know, just solitary thoughts. Because sometimes we, you know, I, I think about something and I want to talk about it right away, but you're not here. Yeah. And it's weeks before we get together. So that it's helped me with that sort of process. Yeah. And uh, m- the challenge is keeping it to under four minutes. So that was my goal, mm-hmm. under four minutes. And so far I've been successful. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to talk about now? Did you want to do this? So yeah, Darlene in Vancouver emailed and specifically asked me about my journey with seminary. She wanted to know, is it strengthening or changing my relationship with my higher power? And what has that been like? Has it felt all positive and divine? Um, And she also, in the same email, wondered how we both survived the situation mentioned in our previous podcast. And if that was the reason... We've taken so much time to re-record. It's a good question, actually. It is a great question. So she actually said, are you out there growing and changing? Is there loving peace across the land? (laughs) We're Canadians. We're like the most peaceful people on planet Earth. She should know that. She's from Vancouver. That's right. Yes. Okay, well, answer the question about yourself first, and we will personally get into the rest of it after that. Okay. Gloves on. I mean, just kidding. Peace, love. (laughs) So yes, my journey in seminary has changed my relationship with my higher power um, in immense ways. Um, Now, for those of you listening who don't know what seminary is, it's basically Bible University and it's where you want to go if you want to become a pastor or a leader in any sort of ministerial um, capacity. So it has... Like any relationship that you pour into, it has gotten deeper and wider and broader. It has also been um, distressing and overwhelming at times, having to reckon with theology that I may not agree with or doctrine that I may not agree with. But I'm coming to, to know and appreciate and rest and have security in a God that is way bigger and way more loving and way more merciful than I ever previously thought. And he is leading me in ways to deepen how I hear from him and how I love others. Um, But, you know, with much responsibility comes a lot of expectation and it's a heavy burden sometimes to carry. At least for me, it has been in in some aspects. So um, I'm more in love with my God than ever. And I'm loving this journey, but it's not for the faint of heart. 
is what I will say. Mm-hmm. It's not for the faint of heart. Things I didn't want to look at, doors I didn't want to look behind, I have to. And so it's been life-changing mm-hmm. and incredible. So that would be my answer. All right. Yeah. And as for us, um, I think, I don't know if one of those things is what happened with us, that doors, you said doors you have to look behind. And Mm -hmm. is that kind of what you're referring to, that situation about? Yeah. So um, Julie and I have different beliefs. So you're studying a certain theology uh, and the Bible and... That is the God of your understanding. But that's the beauty for me about Alcoholics Anonymous. It's a God of my understanding. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe those are two different things. Maybe they're not. Um, we both believe in a, in a loving God. I believe in uh, the, that God created me. I don't think that I was created incorrectly. I don't mm-hmm. think that I, you know, somebody once told me when I was struggling with my own homosexuality, God doesn't make garbage. That's right. So I wasn't made an error. That's right. Um, just like somebody with, uh, you know, well, you know, God didn't make you an error. You didn't choose to be uh, heterosexual. Mm-hmm. I didn't choose to be homosexual. I just am. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know where this journey is going to take us. I don't. I don't even know if it's going to take us anywhere. I just. I know that you love me. Yep. I know that you're my friend. I know that you support me. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes maybe we'll just have to come to uh, agree to disagree on topics such as that. Yeah. Um, I look at things I've read and I'm not studying the Bible like Julia's, but if I, if I read something in the Bible, I look at, I take it more as metaphor. Okay. Um, and you take it more as something that was divinely written and that's just not where I'm coming from. Okay. But that's okay. Yeah. Um, cause I still believe in God and I still believe in a higher power. And I believe that that higher power and that faith and belief in something greater is what helped me get sober. And then what has helped me continue to cope with life on life's terms and deal with the everyday. Yeah. Um, I've had situations, I never actually talked about this, where my wife um, ended up in the hospital several months ago. And uh, I didn't know if she was going to be coming out of the hospital. And that was an extremely stressful and difficult time. And it was one of those times in my life that if that had happened to me 15 years ago, I would have had a hate on for this said higher power, this God in my life. I would have blamed God for that situation. Yeah. Today, uh, I don't. I just see things that happen in life um, as part of life. That is part of the plan. We are all organisms. We are all cells. And uh, things are created differently. Um, You know, some kids are born and die in the first month. Some kids are born with a a disease, a crippling disease like cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people are born and they have the most smooth, perfect life and they're rich and (laughs) everything seems to get handed to them on a platter. They never have any break a bone, have surgery, have any diseases. That's just the, the way of life. It doesn't mean that that a higher power loves that person more than that higher power loves me because I've had struggle in my life. Yeah. Um, so I've come to terms with that over the course of, of the years. Um, but yeah, I got sidetracked there. That's okay. But for us, yeah, I think we talked about it when it happened. We gave each other space, a little bit of space. Cause yeah. it, and there was a misunderstanding. It was something that you said that was just a, the way I heard it was something I'd heard my whole life. Yeah. And it triggered pain. 
And then you express this deep remorse at hurting my feelings. Mm -hmm. And so then I softened and remained open to that and reminded myself that you're my beloved friend. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had to keep an open mind too. And I was worried about how you were feeling when I saw you cry. Um, So I think all that did was, I think it strengthened our friendship. It taught me and reminded me that really what we have here is something based on love. Yeah. And I also am hopeful that our relationship, our friendship can bridge a gap for people who maybe don't understand why you're friends with me. I'm hoping that down the road, if that becomes a topic of conversation with um, people at church or wherever, mm-hmm. that it would be one of those things where, I don't know, I think we're a beacon. I, like I would to think, hope so. I like to think this podcast is a beacon of hope. I would hope so. So. I would hope so. And the stuff that um, I'm struggling with is more church doctrine than anything else. Like there's no part of me that believes anybody is created wrong or that whether you're in the LGBTQ community or not, I don't believe that it's like with addiction. I don't believe there's a choice mm-hmm. and I don't believe anybody's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no part of me that doesn't love and accept. I mean, the L- you know, the LGBTQ community is like one of my most favorite sacred community of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's more about you know, statements of faith in certain denominations and who's allowed to be ordained. And once you're ordained in this organization, are you allowed to marry anybody outside of one man and one woman for life? Like it's these things that I'm wrestling with that I'm having to come up against as a person that's going to be ordained at some point. So a lot of this is, is hard for me and for my friends. And if I associate with this church, does it mean I stand by or like everything this church stands for? No, but how does that work? I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing to be a person who's not in ministry, but it's a whole other thing to feel like you're called to a vocation where you are representing God and his word Mm -hmm. for people, which is like, you know, I think this, a reason a lot of people drop out of seminary is they're like, I can't fucking handle this responsibility. This is too much for me. Mm -hmm. It's like anybody that wants to get involved in politics or activism. It's a heavy burden to carry, but if you choose to carry it, you go forward and you carry it. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be the person in a family of addicts who goes into recovery and chooses to walk in and talk about their truth. It could be a fam- a person in a family who has suffered abuse by a family member who walks in and speaks their truth. It's like we all have these things that we carry into situations. And I am glad that Julie and I are friends during this pro- process because she has a direct line to the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And, and I ask questions and I'm going to continue to ask hard questions. I won't ask them here right now on the air, but <laughs> I've asked them before, some of them off air. Yeah. And, um, and I think that that's my, that's an important role for me as someone who's a member of this community and as your friend. Yeah. Um, and when people are going through a difficult time, because Julie's going through a difficult process, I don't bail on my friends who are going through a difficult process. So um, we're learning and we're growing together and we will continue to do that. And we took time off just because it was your exam time. 
There was all kinds of stuff going yeah. on. And then I've had a lot going on in, in, in my life too. I had a job process that I was going through, yeah. um, which again, ended up not going the way it seemed to be going. It was like chugging along. We had our house listed for sale in our minds. <laughs> we had painted yeah. and redecorated and we were ready to move. And then at the last second, hard left. All of a sudden I was out of the running. Yeah. Uh, and that was a complete shock and surprise. And you know what? I will never know why. Because they don't do, um, what do they call that? Debriefing interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just know that it happened right after a supervisor was interviewed, <laughs> a current supervisor. Um, but maybe that's not even the reason. So Who I knows? will never know why. And in that moment, I had to say, okay. I mean, much to the delight of everyone that lives here and loves you. Yeah. Like we weren't going to tell you that we were all like dancing a jig that you weren't moving away from us. I'll tell you that now. They were all praying against it. No. No. But yeah, I I for one am quite happy with the fact that you're not leaving. And everything, you know, even, even in the midst of shit, I some, I can find reasons of why it's a good thing that I didn't get what I wanted. Yeah. Um, my, my kid is coming here and has to have surgery. Uh, my sister, one of my sisters has been diagnosed with cancer and will be going through a very difficult year uh, with chemo and radiation. And I'm here now I'm here. I'm close. Um, so, and, and there's flooding up in the Kawartha's right now. So. There is. <laughs> so maybe, you know, maybe the house we had our sights on is floating down a river. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> You never know. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, yeah, that old saying, God moves in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing, and this is, again, a gift of the 12 steps of recovery, is that I was able to accept it. And it makes it easier, you know, focusing on acceptance rather than getting bitter and angry and yeah. resentful and pissed off and staying angry and spending months crying, because that's what I did the last time this yeah. happened. Months. It was months and months and months. And... Uh, it was like a speed bump. That's how it looked like to me. It was like, time? well, that, yeah, yeah, well, that sucked. And moving on with my life. Yeah. Now my wife and I, we had made lists of all the things we were looking forward to in our, in our new location. And then the day I got this news, she came home that night and uh, she said, well, I guess we better start our gratitude list of all the things we love <laughs> about living here. Yeah. And, and then we thought, you know what? We've always wanted, we live in a tiny condo. And we haven't had room for a kitchen table. Well, we figured out a way and now we have a kitchen table and we installed a light fixture and this is where Julie and I are doing our podcast. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, and the gratitude lists, that's something I did in my first year of recovery. Dug them out again. Started doing them every day. Just like, okay, what am I grateful for? And it's so cool how a gratitude list for me in the beginning was I could barely come up with three things. Yeah, I'm grateful for clean drinking water. I'm grateful for the meal I ate today. I'm grateful for um, a bed, you know. And now the things I say, things like uh, I'm grateful that I have a relationship, a conscious relationship with my higher power. I'm grateful that I have a higher power. I'm grateful for the loving, peaceful relationship I have with my beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. I, I've never had a relationship that is so peaceful before in a partnership. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool how my relationship, my uh, gratitude lists have grown and changed over the years. So if you've never done one, I strongly suggest that you start doing them 
keep a little journal of your daily gratitudes and see how they change and grow through recovery. It's pretty yeah. cool. They sound dumb, yeah. especially <laughs> when you're in a really shitty situation where it's like, oh, really? I'm going to make a gratitude list? Yeah. But you very quickly see how privileged you are in so many ways that other people are not. And that often we have the basics to be happy. It's just what we do with those building blocks. I remember one time talking to my sponsor and bitching and, and whining about how, you know, I we go to a group where there's a lot of people who come from money and they have money. And that's not my situation. And and I was like comparing. Well, mm-hmm. the nice it's easy for them to get sober. They live in multi million dollar houses <laughs> and you know, they come to the group with the fancy car and drive pulling up in a Maserati and multi, you know, everything, money, 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 money. And then my sponsor looked at me and said, and do you look at the people who have less than you? Mm. Whoa. Yeah. They just were on a bus for two hours. Just to get to the meeting. Yeah. Yep. Or that don't have a home to go to at the end of the meeting. Go back to a shelter. Going to a shelter. Yep. If they can get into a shelter. Yeah. Um, and that's always a good reminder. Yeah. We have, um, severely disabled gentlemen at our group and quite often I can think I'm having a really shitty day and I watch how difficult it is for him to get down a flight of stairs or how difficult it is for him to to share because he can't speak very well and it takes him you know several minutes to say something and Mm -hmm. I'm and I think you know or even just to like lift his coffee cup to his mouth yeah and I think am I really having that bad of a day yeah god yeah. Gratitude lists are yeah. amazing. Well, this has just morphed into something completely full of many things. So hopefully you got something out of it. Mm-hmm. We're both smiling, so I know we got something out of it. And that was kind of how this whole podcast started. Julie and I just, you know, originally sitting down and sharing stuff and discussing and talking program. And uh, we thought, well, what would happen if we put two microphones in front of us? Mm-hmm. And this is it. It's Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.